Hi, this is Kyle. And this is Rich. Welcome to episode one of Chew the Metal, a podcast where we take a deep dive into a rock or metal album and see if we can learn something. This week, it's Leviathan by Mastodon. Let's get into it. man how you doing yeah i'm good i'm good thank you i've uh uh i've spent the day flat hunting in bristol what about you are you okay oh nice yeah i saw my sister and my mum today oh lovely went for a nice picnic uh l- lockdown picnic oh i was gonna say is that a first since uh, like the, the rules were relaxed or yeah i think I, it's the second time i've seen them but you know okay. it's, it's obviously still pretty sparse yeah yeah it's it's a strange it's a strange world we're living in it certainly is so, um, I mean, we're here to discuss an album that we've both spent the past seven days listening to. We certainly are. Since... I want to yeah. start off by saying I thought I'd listened to this album before. Yeah. And I, and I hadn't. <laughs> I am in, the, I'm in the same boat. Oh, really? Okay. I knew yeah. certain songs, but, mm-hmm. but I, I, yeah, I realised very early on that I didn't actually know the album at all. Yeah, I agree. I um. Yeah, I'm I'm familiar with Blood and Thunder, obviously, just yes, because exactly, I think yeah. it's it's you know like it's like permeated the metal genre, um, yeah. and like I think we talked about at some point we talked about a few other tracks, but yeah, it turns out that as a piece, as a ten track piece, yeah. I wasn't familiar with it at all. No, um, so obviously we, we don't necessarily give away our our complete verdicts, but I had a good time listening to it all week. I did as well. Good. Yeah, we we talked about. When we, because we sort of, you know, invented the podcast and then... Did we? Chose Leviathan. <laughs> well, you did, sorry. No, uh, <laughs> no, no I wasn't looking we... <laughs> for recognition. <laughs> it's all right, you've got it. It's too late. Uh, your name's on the front door. Everybody knows it, okay? Like, I take no credit. Um, when the first day we listened to Leviathan, mm. we, we sort of messaged each other and I was like, it's strange listening to an album, like, all, for a reason, if that makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? yeah. Not just because you like a band or because and it's their new album or because, you know, you just you want to hear something. It literally like listening to it, thinking, I need to research this. And yeah. I need to. And I think with it would be I think it's going to be weirder when we have to listen to to an album that we really know, because then yeah. it's going to feel like revision in a way, because it's like, absolutely I, I've gone through this album so many times in my life and I've got to do it again now. Whereas this was like I had to learn it. As well as yeah. yeah, so I think it was fine. It was weird listening to it with a with an agenda, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I was thinking, I was looking at the list of albums we've sort of put together, you know, to, to start with. And yeah. You're right. I was looking at some of them, going, I could do an episode on that like now with no yeah. prep. Yeah, exactly. But it's going to be cool to to you know look into the history of something and and uh, and go from there. Uh, but we should we should probably get around to this uh, this. Album. We probably <laughs> should. So we're talking about Leviathan by Mastodon, which is their second album. Um, released in 2004 uh, I saw it so it's released on August the 31st and I saw that it was released on the same day as Ashes in the Wake by Lamb of God so that was a big day oh amazing yeah. that is a big day for metal yeah. I was going to say that is one of the things I've meant to look into what came out at the same time because um, one of the things that we'll talk about you know where it ranked in like albums of the year mm. and things I meant to be like oh what were the other albums of the year and I completely forgot to look it up yeah I mean yeah that's that's a that's a big day um I did did look up uh what was what was sort of big when it came out um okay so I mean I'm just gonna 
put out some information now, but um, so when it was released, it peaked pretty badly in the album charts, as as you might expect. But um, and actually, apart from their first album, Remission, it's actually their lowest peaking album ever. Oh, okay. Which is quite surprising because I know it was obviously like pretty yeah. underground at the time, but you know it's very critically appraised. It is, um, but it yeah. peaked at 110 in the UK and 139 in the US. Um, and just hell. as a reference of what was going on, the when this was released, the UK number one album was Red Hot Chili Peppers' Live in Hyde Park. What? And, okay. and the US al- top top album at oh, the time no. was Ashley Simpson. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know what album, but I mean, knowing that it's her is enough, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. You know that it was a banger and you know it deserved <laughs> exactly. to be there. Exactly, and then we'll probably talk about that album later on in this podcast. Yeah, that, yeah. in fact, I guarantee <laughs> yeah. that might be next week's episode. It's going on the list. It's going on the list, top, top of the of list. list. Um, okay, so let's just do a bit, I guess we should just do a bit of background on Mastodon. They are four guys. Uh, they formed in Atlanta, Georgia in 2000 uh, after the drummer Bran and the guitarist Bill moved from New York. The, the four members are Troy Sanders, who plays bass and, and uh, main vocals, Brent Hines, lead guitar and also vocals, maybe less so on this album. We'll come to that later, but certainly in the more modern Mastodon albums, he does sing a lot. Uh, Bill, I always get his surname wrong. Bill Kellia, I think it's Kellia. I've been, I've been saying I've been saying Kellia in my head. Yeah, that's what it looks like to me. He's rhythm guitar and backing vocals, and then Bran Daler, uh, drums and vocals. I don't think he sings anything on this album, but again, mm. in the modern albums, he's like he does sing full songs. He's like a, a lead oh, vocalist. Really? So, but I don't think he sings. Yeah, I don't think he sings much on uh, Leviathan, as far as I could tell. And all the all all the songs seem to be written like by them as a band rather than like by one person in this album at least no yeah i think that's the way they do it based on i've seen some um videos and things and they seem to just get into a room and just bash it out mm. like it's not like a bring someone brings a song and and goes from there i was looking this up apparently they had a singer before remission came out their first uh record on, on relapse but he left for all i could find was personal reasons the old classic so uh, he left, and then yeah, and then they released Remission, their first album, and then Leviathan was their their second full length. Yeah, and this was their this was their second on Relapse, and then they moved from Relapse after this, didn't they, onto a slightly bigger label uh, when they to Warner. Yeah, they got signed exactly. by Warner. They're with yeah. Warner now. Yeah, but but Relapse released an album called Call of the Mastodon. Right just before they left but that's like uh, apparently that's their first nine songs they ever wrote just like re-released repackaged and and released as an album oh, wow. after after their first two albums i read it i read a quote that said they consider it their first album okay. technically because it's their first songs but it came out and does third. it include any songs that are from remission or leviathan as no it's it's nine as far as i'm aware it's nine completely different songs that just i think they released they recorded an ep before remission and it's probably just the stuff from that cool okay yeah and it got pretty good critical uh, reception when it came out. It would seem so. Yeah. Uh, the the figure on sales that I could find was pretty uh, rubbish, but it basically <laughs> it said it, it had sold um, 106,000 copies by basically after, like, after two years. Okay. Um, so by September 2006. So obviously there's been 14 more years since then. Yeah. But... You know, who knows? I couldn't get a more up-to-date figure. No, and I mean, it's so hard to judge with metal albums what, you know, unless you're Metallica. Exactly, like It's hard yeah. to judge what constitutes good sales. Yeah. I have, I still, to this day, have no idea if... I mean, 100,000 sounds great. Like, if, you know? Yeah. 
You'd want to sell a hundred thousand records. If you, if you but... were a, if you were basically a pretty underground like specific metal band at this point, releasing your second yeah. album and you get a hundred thousand sales, yeah. I'd be very happy. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of singles on the album, um, so let, let's let's do a quick like rundown of the tracks. Okay. Um, so the album starts with Blood and Thunder. Oh, yeah, it sure does. <laughs> it really does. Uh, <laughs> then you've got I Am Ahab, Sea Beast. Island, Iron Tusk, Megalodon, Naked Burn, Aqua Dementia, Hearts Alive, and Joseph Merrick. Yeah, yep. so that's the full album. Um, so one one source I found said that the singles were Iron Tusk, Blood and Thunder, I Am Ahab, and Sea Beast. And then another thing I saw said it was only Blood and Thunder and Iron Tusk. Okay, <laughs> but I, this is there's a video for Sea Beast. Isn't there's isn't a video there? for Sea Beast. So I think that was the. I think it was the US Billboard 200 like website where I was looking at like the charts and it was like these are the singles and I thought well maybe oh no I'll tell you what it is it's another Wikipedia page uh oh it's it's so if you go on the Leviathan page it says that those four are singles but if you go on the Mastodon discography page then it says that there's only two singles from that album what so who knows do, do bands make music videos for non-singles, just like just for fun? I, I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't either. It seems like a strange use of money. Yeah, um, yeah. And as you say, there, there was an album. Uh, there was videos for Blood and Thunder, uh, Iron Tusk, and Sea Beast. Do you want me to quickly sort of run down what those videos are like? Please do. I, you know what? The only thing I saw on the music videos because I uh, have neglected my duties and forgot to watch them, is I saw another video with Mastodon, and in the background there was like a fish mask, and they were like, "Oh, that's the fish mask from Sea Beast." And I was like, "Well, now I need to watch that," but yeah, I still did because I'm the Sea Beast video is incredible. Okay, <laughs> it's done like a sort of uh, like a silent film theater sort of thing. It's all like in that sort of fast motion, black and white sort of jumpy footage um with like lots of silhouettes of them like behind a stage like backlit onto like a projection sort of thing as if it's like a stage thing and then so the so the silhouettes of them playing and then on the stage there's these creatures and like sort of um well i guess there's it's really hard to explain they're they're sort of, <laughs> sort of like mastodon yeah exactly yeah uh <laughs> they're, they're sort of uh sea diver people astronauty piratey sort of <laughs> space punk sort of things with like these huge masks and tubes going everywhere and then they yeah then there's like fish monsters and creatures and stuff it's it's a really cool video that sounds great i will have to i know it's going to be too late by the time we've <laughs> recorded this podcast but i will definitely watch it soon um and then the the other two are slightly less sort of crazy um right the one for one for blood and thunder is uh, part performance like regular performance stuff and then it's sort of interspersed with this sort of terrifying circus sort of idea and like weird like uh, like a Rob Zombie sort of circus oh, sort okay. of thing um, and then the one for Iron Tusk is like again it's performance and then there seems to be this sort of like grungy photo shoot happening with other people um, but they were both the only like the best i could find them was like 240p on youtube oh, wow. so i was like really having to be like is that mastodon i can't tell <laughs> could just be anything yeah 
Uh, amazing. All right, I'll I'll give them a watch as well. I can't wait to squint at my <laughs> at my computer. Yeah, screen. don't hurt your eyes. Yeah, I'll try not to. Um, okay, so I guess we should do like sort sort of talk about the tracks and stuff. I guess we should also try and can you try and explain Mastodon before we before we start? Yes, I would I would like to try and explain Mastodon. I, yeah, go ahead because um, I don't know if I can. I so I've I've basically I feel like they're they're really discordant sometimes yes and, and i think some of the stuff they do if it was anyone else doing it it would sound terrible mm-hmm. like some of the notes they put together some of the chords are just so bizarre and like off <laughs> but they make it sound so great and it's weird and it's sort it? of discordant but then it's also got this real sort of classical feel to it like not classic metal but as in like classical music and then it's also got this like really catchy groovy sort of like a lot of the riffs are so groovy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so they're so hard to pin down. Yeah. Aren't they? like I think, I think again, I think their Wikipedia page has them as like sludge metal or something or other. Yeah, but like I, like, I don't. They just sound like Mastodon. Like there's just yeah, you know, like which is hard to say if somebody is listening to this podcast and doesn't really understand metal music. Well, not I don't feel like it's we've picked a very hard band to try and summarize. Yeah, I think we have in our first episode because I. Like all you can say is like listen to them. Yeah, definitely, definitely listen to them if you haven't listened to them. Um, I mean, obviously listen to Leviathan if you want to listen to this episode, probably. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it makes some sense. Um, I guess I think Remission was probably more like standard down the line sludge groove metal sort of stuff, but obviously then they've gone concept with this, so there's this overall sort of you know vibe to the music in this, which sort of sounds like it sounds like the story that it's telling do you know what i mean yeah like it sounds like a powerful struggle that's like fucking difficult and there's rain and there's like you know terrifying creatures everywhere yeah absolutely yeah i did i just like kind of on that note i saw a quote somewhere i fucking wish i'd written down who said it but it was someone saying like I don't think there's ever been a more apt name for a band that's for their sound than Mastodon. Like, yeah. you couldn't you couldn't pick a better name for if you just heard them like and then someone was like, oh, they're called Mastodon. You'd be like, oh, of course they are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, of yeah. course they are. They sound like that. They sound like they should be called Mastodon. They do. They're, oh, yeah. But again, like it's so they're so hard to pin down. Like even within metal, you know. And I'm not very good at defining genres at the best of yeah. times. But yeah, like I have such trouble. No matter how much I listen to them, I can't put a name on what the hell they are. Uh, but let's get into some songs, I suppose. That might help if we yeah, start well, talking about Do songs. you want to maybe start off just talking about the idea of the concept album? True. That's probably a good place to start. <laughs> yes. Um, so this is a concept album uh, based on, or based loosely on, well, sometimes loosely, sometimes very specifically. Um, it's, yeah, it's very strange. Isn't yeah, it? based based on Moby Dick by Herman Melville, uh, which I haven't read because it it sounds like it's incredibly long and difficult to read. Yes, see, I really want to read it, and I've picked it up a few times in bookstores, and it's it seems like one of those books that reads like you know it reads quite nicely, but I've also heard that in the middle of it. There's like huge chapters that are just about like the minutiae of whaling and like ships and how rigging works and like how, you know, like whales were harvested. And it's like 50 pages of just like just this. And I don't know if I can, you know, I just don't know if I I need to be in a specific mood, I think, to read 50 pages on whaling. Yeah, definitely. But I, I think it's worth noting that 
when it came, like it was completely slammed when it came out. Yes. Um, yeah, everyone hates it. You know, it. it seems to only be this classic thing, you know, 100 years later. I think that's interesting that they've chosen to sort of go with this idea of a thing. I saw this this similarity. I, I didn't see the similarity. I saw someone pose this similarity between the book sort of trying to reach for this big thing of being a classic and completely missing and also the idea of Ahab trying to get the whale and and not doing it but then also the idea of Mastodon as a at that point you know small underground band trying to reach this huge like thing and it's all sort of tied in and I think that's that's a really cool analogy yeah that is pretty that's pretty clever um yeah I'm always really interested in media like you say that that doesn't do well when someone is alive and then for whatever reason you know like after they're dead or just years later people are like oh no wait that's one of the best books ever written or whatever exactly yeah it's just like how does like what is weird how that comes around i I always find that really strange it happened with um van gogh however you pronounce his surname i feel bad and his paintings he wasn't much liked while he was alive no no not at all and now he's like if you're going to name a painter he's kind of like the first one and it's just weird that like while while he was literally making them people were like shit and then 200 years later, we're all like, oh, God, 200 years? I don't know when he was alive. I'm so uncultured. I don't know. But, like, where does that shift happen? Yeah, exactly. Where, do, where does it go from from thinking Moby Dick isn't a good book to thinking, oh, you know, that's one of the greatest American novels of all time? Yeah, like, at some point, someone's dad must have been like, oh, that's that's crap. And then his son must have been like, it's actually it's one of the best novels yeah. ever written. Yeah. And it's just like, what? I wouldn't want to be at that household for dinner. No, <laughs> neither would I. <laughs> So I've I've written a very quick synopsis of Moby Dick. Okay, Just, one sentence. Yeah. <laughs> it's about a whale. Big whale. Big whale. Um, well, I mean, if you want to talk one sentence summation of the book, you could say white whale, holy grail. You and, could, actually. And well played. They've done so. that very well. Um, so I've said uh, Moby Dick is the story of a stubborn whaling captain seeking revenge on the whale that took its leg years before. Um, over several encounters, the whale dis- well, whales destroy the ship and kill its crew, uh, but Ahab is relentless, and despite warnings from other ships who have meant similar fates, uh, he finally harpoons Moby Dick, but is caught up in the line and dragged out to sea, disappearing with the whale once again. That's sort of what I took from... I read like a, some, like a short version of it, like a Spark Notes sort oh, of thing. Oh, okay. Um, and that, that's sort of what I took. And obviously... It's told from the point of view of Ishmael, one of the uh, seamen. The only survivor. The, the only survivor, yeah. Yeah, the only survivor of the uh, of the, the P- Pequod. Is that what the ship is called? Yes, the Pequod. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. That's how I'm going to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, I, I was saying Pequod, but I've got no idea. <laughs> I mean, it could be. I don't know either. <laughs> um, and I think that point of view is pretty interesting because the album seems like it's from Ahab's point of view and also from the whale's point of view sometimes yeah and also like right in the moment whereas obviously the book is past tense and from ishmael's point of view um so that's pretty like obviously saying i am ahab is is pretty on the nose of yeah. saying but like who, you say that's not every track isn't i i certainly don't think every track is that point of view i feel no. like it's it jump it jumps all over the place it's a bit omniscient isn't it it's kind of yeah lots of different angles and there's, like there's some that it sort of feels like it could be either so i mean let's i i'm gonna inadvertently go into just tracks now but with blood of thunder there's like certain lines in it which literally could be from ahab's point of view or the whale's point of view yeah um because they, <clears throat> they're both sort of seen as these unstoppable forces 
in certain ways and and you can't really tell who it's like the opening line saying i think someone is trying to kill me that could literally be the whale talking about ahab or it could be ahab sort of talking about you know some, something his is against him yeah the, exactly his madness yeah yeah can we just quickly sorry i actually wrote that down in full caps because i think that's one of my favorite opening lines to anything yeah. ever like if that's how you're going to open not only a song but an album yeah. with literally the line i think that someone is trying to kill me just screamed by troy yeah. I l- it's so good every time i listen to it i'm like come on like that opening riff is like classic mastodon riff and then bran comes in gets like heavy and yeah. i think someone is trying to kill me yeah that's just like the perfect opener like you know that they mean proper business yeah it's always oh, so good god damn but yeah you're right like i've got the i've got the lyrics up now yeah apart from white whale holy grail mm. it's yeah there's like you say it's a bit back and forth and it, yeah i think that comes across a lot through the album like some tracks are definitively from someone's point of view and then some of them are just like like could be the sea it could yeah. be you know what i mean it could just be someone looking yes yeah, it's, it's cool i uh, i really like that and also i couldn't couldn't necessarily f- find like specific parts of the story for every song and there, there do also seem to be a couple of songs that aren't actually to do with the concept yes um which obviously we'll get onto later when we talk about them but um you know there's there's certain i guess with the flow of the album i can sort of understand where it is in the story but there's certain like iron tusk is about harpoons um yeah i may have is you know about his madness and things aqua dementia i think is about um the who is it it's about pip when he 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 uh goes overboard and ends up going mad before anyone can Save uh, him again. rescue yeah. him and yeah um but there's other bits that just sort of feel more overall sort of uh conceptual to do with the story rather than certain plot points i guess yeah i agree Na- i think naked burn is is one that jumps to mind there's lots of re- uh, like references to kind of religion and churches and things but... i found that um I, I i read that naked burn is one of the only ones that's not actually to do with Bobby dick at all okay um apparently it's to do with um catholic priests and their liking for for doing pretty bad things oh well okay and troy was just like this is an awful thing and we need to talk about it so he wrote naked burn apparently wow okay well <laughs> but but where that where that where that fits in with this the album i don't know and i think that's kind of interesting because it is obviously this incredible epic of an album yeah and it is mostly for the most part you know to do with this story and then there's certain songs like that which are just completely separate yeah which feel like they fit in but at the same time they're just about something completely different yeah they, I, yeah i agree i don't know if it's because the music sets the tone and you know and it, it kind of gets swept along but yeah it's very strange i know um moby dick has some you know religious undertones but i don't think it's got anything right regarding what you just said okay. obviously i think it's just you know like about ahab's religion and about various crewmen's religion and and kind of thing right but yeah i just assumed it was about just religion you know like mm. and and sort of fits into the context because of because of its mentioned. when i did my lyrics listening i i went on like songmeaning.com and for every song there's like a page with the lyrics and then like people's um people's comments and stuff and people say oh this song seems to be about this this song seems to be about this um and kind of annoyingly most of the comments are just mastodon are amazing (laughs) Um, which is like yes but what's the song about (laughs) um but then you you sort of filter all that stuff out and you find people having actual intellectual ideas which is quite interesting 
Yeah. It is cool as well. Like you say, on an album that's ostensibly about Moby Dick, it's quite cool that people can read something and be like, oh, I think, you know, like, interpret it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so do you want to... Oh, sorry, were you about to say... I won't, I won't interrupt if you're about no, to say I, something. I wasn't really. I was about to say, are we... Well, we've said how we feel about the opening of Blood and Thunder. I Like, obviously, as we said, that's, that's one of the songs we knew, like, we both know beforehand. Yeah. I, I still think that song is just incredible it, i mean even if i wasn't quite maybe in the necessary mood for listening to leviathan this week if i knew you know i knew i had to give it a listen and i was like right look you know you're you're, you're doing a podcast about it you've got to listen as soon as that riff starts i'm like no wait fuck it here we absolutely. go absolutely just something about that riff and then i mean it's going to come up lots of times but i'll say it right now brandela is like one of the greatest drummers just alive at the moment yeah he no one drums like him at all i don't understand what he can like how he can do what he can do no neither do i and and how he can how he can just think like that you know like the sort of phrases he puts together with his drums it's just like how are you how are you able to sort of keep knowing where you are in the song yeah just like just do oh a bit snare now you know and just yeah uh phil drums you know yeah it's just yeah like he i feel like almost 50 percent of mastodon sound is his drumming like he's just like it, it i just don't think it'd work or it would they would be a completely different band if they didn't have him behind the drum kit he's yeah like you say his fills so many like single stroke rolls he's not very big on like you know like uh like snare rolls mm. or anything he's it's all about like duh, 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 single yeah. hits but just at like light speed just yeah. all the way around. It's unbelievable. And just going straight into that as well. Just like going from... Like, yeah. He yeah. doesn't like warm up or anything. He just hits them. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. And they're, they're like every bar as well, or like every four bars. You know what I mean? Normally you sort of get like one drum fill into the chorus yeah. or something. With Brian, it's like every four bars. And then four more bars. Yeah. Like, and I feel like it shouldn't work. Like the people, that's what you call, you would normally say was like overplaying. But well, exactly. Like not, not in his yeah, case. And, and that's what I think, like what I was trying to say earlier, like I feel like a lot of what they do shouldn't work. Yeah. But, but they just are incredible. And I think because they're doing what they're doing and no one else can or is, you know, they are just this completely separate thing that yeah. just no one can stand up next to them. In, in what they do. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They just, just, yeah. No, I think if you if you tried to do a Mastodon song, it'd be so obviously, oh, you're just doing a Mastodon. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they're their own genre yeah. almost. Like if you if you try and encroach on it. But it also, it also doesn't really sound like, it could be pretentious, the fact that it's like the time signature's changing again and the guitars just go again and then Bran's going off on one. But it never feels like it's just showing off yeah i agree it doesn't and i've never listened to them and thought oh they're just proving a point or you know Mm. it's just like i don't know it just it's real cohesive and like you say it shouldn't be there's there's two moments in the album that i feel a slightly i'm not sure what they're doing okay And, and one of them is something we talked about last week when we chose the album and so we're just gonna fast forward to megalodon for a moment Oh, okay, um, there it is, and that that sort of banjo style. That banjo style, yeah. What, what is what's he doing? Uh, what's going on there? I I mean I've got to say, as you know, so uh, the, I think my first uh, exposure to Mastodon, just to do a quick uh, history drop, mm. I I went to see Metallica in 2006. I want to say at Wembley Stadium, um, 
and they were supported by i think it was meant to be um mastodon bullet for my valentine and him strangely wow, okay um yeah but bullet dropped out and somebody took over i can't quite because it was the year matt uh the singer like did his throat in from screaming yeah. um but I think Mastodon opened and they and they played Megalodon and I'd never heard them before and they probably started with Blood and Thunder and I was probably like, well, this is amazing. Yeah. But then, yeah, a couple of songs in, they played Megalodon and that bit happened, mm. the bloody country picking banjo, chicken picking lick. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And then it goes, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and I was like, what? Yeah, it just goes from that into like, you know, double bass pedal, like proper like thrash. That thrash riff is so good. Yeah. But you're right. They There are loads of moments on this album that uh, I can't remember how I wrote it down. I did write it down in my notes. Let me just see if I've got it here. Um, there you go. The This album has a lot of instant jumping between different feels with no connection whatsoever is what I wrote down. It does. Which is a thing that they do all the time. Mm. And I don't know. And, I, and like you say, I know you're about to say, you, I feel like you were about to say you don't think Megalodon works, but like it happens quite often. No, I just, that's the one, like one of two bits. I just don't understand quite why it's yeah. there. Like the rest, when they just go straight from one thing into another, I think it works completely incredibly, generally. And yeah. it all like works somehow. But that's one of the only bits that I think I'm not really sure why it's there or what it's doing. It. It is a strange, like, because the the opening's quite uh like picked, isn't it? Quite like yeah. um like high r- ringing notes and stuff, and then and then there's that verse riff that's all uh like syncopated, yeah. and then they were like, oh, we need to get from there to uh this like super incredible thrash yeah. riff. Oh, I've got a great <laughs> idea. We let's get a Okay, sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. I oh Brent. By the way, I think he plays the banjo like he's a real good. Like that kind of country guitarist. Right, okay. Yeah, so I feel like it probably just was him having a bit of fun. Yeah, it probably was. Also, on, on that note, how the hell do any of them play their instruments like that and sing at the same time? Uh-huh, yeah, like, I agree. How is Troy doing what he's doing? I, I do not know. Yeah. I do. And Troy, I've like again, I've seen a lot of videos of them live. Troy is like the most unfussed, you know what I mean? Just like it's not a, not a thing to him that he's just going dang dang like playing these riffs and this odd time stuff, yeah. and he's just like yeah I'm I'm all right. And is it? It's like how what? Do they, do how? They, how do they sound live? Like I've never seen them. Do they? Does it all? Is it all like as it should be? Yeah, they're. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's as you'd expect. Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, just heavy as fucking brands, just killing it nonstop. Oh, it's great. Because sometimes I feel with the lyrics, like well, not with the lyrics, with the vocals, like especially in something like Sea Beast, they're so sort of um, slurred and like I can't tell what they're saying. Even when I was reading the lyrics, yep. it felt like he was missing out words and syllables. Yeah. <laughs> and he he's doing that, but also still making sense to himself, but playing a bass as well. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So it's a thing, I know we well, like it'll come up when we eventually do Master on other albums, but they're i don't know if you've listened to much of their more modern stuff but i feel like they're a lot less this album and probably blood mountain i think is is a lot more shouty and a lot more you know in your face these days they've got a lot more brent sings a lot right. of just like just normal singing and, and troy does his he's still got the same kind of like really hoarse kind of grasp mm. uh, sorry rasp shouting but they've they've i feel like these days they've got a bit more of a grasp on like melody not that this album necessarily needs it, and I'm not saying it would be much better if every song had a lovely pop song yeah. melody. 
but I think certainly the way they've gone these days, like some of their choruses are kind of like, oh, here's a big hooky chorus okay. that everyone can join in on. Yeah. And maybe it's, uh, but like you say, for an album about Moby Dick where you're just screaming about a whale, you probably don't need it to Also, be. there's bits in this I think are super catchy. Oh, absolutely. The, I mean, the Holy Grail White Whale, yeah. uh, sorry, White, White Whale, Whale Holy Grail, Grail is so good. Yeah. yeah. And um, probably my favourite chorusy sort of vocals is uh, is Naked Burn when he um is that the is that the save yourself save save yourself don't wait on me yeah yeah brent singing which yeah. is yeah oh that's brent is it right that's okay. brent yeah brent's the one that sounds a bit like ozzy osbourne yeah yeah no yeah totally i was thinking i was listening to a lot of this and thinking this sounds quite black sabbath and that's interesting yeah um but with, yeah, with that uh, with that save yourselves bit there was a real like chris cornell vibe to that to me like i can re i would love to hear him obviously not anymore sorry oh. but um but i would like i could just really imagine him singing that chorus and like putting his like yeah. little trebles into it yeah 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 it's got a cool and it's weird that like you say that they so one of the things i've written down is that um when i went through the album sort of you know picking out what i loved and didn't like necessarily not that there's very much yeah i as it went on i just found myself writing this song doesn't have a chorus this song doesn't have a chorus. <laughs> yeah. This song doesn't have a chorus. Like none of the songs have choruses. And yeah. I know that and it's fine because it's because it's a concept album. They're more trying to like tell a sort of musical journey and 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 tell a story and yeah. and the music kind of sets the scene. But yeah, it is like you say when when something like that comes all of a sudden and it's this like hooky like repeated section. You're like, yeah. "Oh, fuck, like that's cool." I uh, in my in my notes for the song Island, I put um one of the few songs that repeats a large body of lyrics, almost like a chorus. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, they've got like, they repeat the musical sections where like a chorus would be, but they're not singing. They're singing something completely different, like in a different melody. Yeah. So it's like, is that is that a chorus? Like, I don't, it depends what, what constitutes a chorus, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So good. Um, right, sorry. So, we, I mean, we, we, I, we're kind of just jumping back and forth. I don't know if yeah. we don't need to do like a track by track. No, I, I think that's okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so well, I've just mentioned the song Iceland or Island, um, Island, yeah, Island. So should we sort of stay on that for a little bit? Yeah. So that's another one I think, like you were saying earlier, unless I missed something in my reading of the synopsis of Moby Dick, mm. has nothing to do with Moby Dick. It seems to be about Norse mythology, as far as I can Norse tell. Norse mythology, and it took me a while to realise that there's an accent over the I in the word island. Oh my God, there which, is. Which means it's actually talking about the country iceland oh which makes sense because it's about norse mythology yeah that does make sense i wrote in my notes i wrote uh where is this i've written maybe about iceland norse oh, mythology go, yeah. and he but he he does he does say iceland and he also mentions an island in the song as well so you know it's yeah uh, it's, it's i'm sure we're not the first people to think it's called island no and i wrote i wrote um what did i write here Oh, I wrote, check if they went to Iceland in Moby Dick. And they didn't, as far as I can no, tell. No, they went straight for the Pacific. <laughs> yeah, so I assume it's got nothing to do with Moby Dick. I think it's just a song yeah. about Norse mythology. That's... Yeah. But it is balls to the wall, that song. Yeah, I mean, that, that opening riff is so, like, proper hardcore stuff. Absolutely. And I love it. Yeah, it just goes... Dah, bah, dah. Yeah. Yeah. I just I wrote punk, I think, is more yeah. like hardcore. Yeah, like proper like, punk, yeah. It's just like, one, two, three, four, go! Yeah, definitely. And then like, and, and it's real short as well, isn't it? It's like two minutes and then, yeah, and we're done. There's like a riff in the end 
It's the do 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 Oh yes, that's so like old Metallica when he's like yeah, like do 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 lava goddess. Like it's proper like you know that's like yeah, the lightning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. You're right. Can I just say? So there's another thing I written. This is just me being like just my my musicianal tendencies um this album has one two three four five five sudden stop in ends is what i've called them where the song just ends like that like it'll just be like right and i love those this will come up if you know no matter how much music we listen to i am a huge fan of songs that end and just like nothing happens and this album has five of them on it makes me so happy as well so that's that's pretty good odds that's a good i think that's one of the things i was really excited about with this being our first uh first episode was that we're gonna start to like learn you know what each other sort of like listens for and like what each other really like enjoys in certain stuff yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and i think like i found it really hard picking my top three partly because it's a great album but partly because I don't, I don't know how to play it just yet. Like some people would be like, oh, I don't want to pick this because it's a single and it's overplayed, you know? So I, I think there's going to be like a little bit for the first couple of episodes just to sort of like feel it out, just to see what sort of things we each play, uh, uh, choose. It's also hard with this album because I feel like a lot of it like sits really well in context. Do you know what I mean? Like it, like Island, something like Island on its own might be quite like, whoa. But if you've listened to it as the fourth song of this album, mm it takes a completely different life on. So it's kind of hard to be like, oh, just listen to track seven. It's like, no, you need to have listened to tracks one to six yeah, first. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then seven will mean even more. Like it makes, you know what I mean? It makes sense. Yeah. But again, that's probably more a concept album thing than it is, you know, like a problem necessarily. Well, I'll tell you one of the other things I um, that I really like that this album doesn't do. <laughs> and this is again, just a preference. <laughs> this, is, this is just kind <laughs> of it's only off, so, on, off on our personal mode. This is just me going, going. No, this is so prevalent because, um, because of bronze drumming is... Um, they and this is—I mean, this is just me being stupid. But maybe you'll listen to it from now on. They have panned the drums as if you are stood in front of them watching him play, instead yeah. of as if you're behind them playing. Right. So, so when he goes like digger, 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 yeah. if you're sat behind the drum kit, obviously if you're right-handed, yeah, it's left to right. But they've panned it as if you're stood in front of him, so it goes right to left. That makes so much more sense. And he's doing it so often. And I and I I'm much more a fan of if you're I think it's just because I can play the drums I'm much cool. more of a fan as if as if you're sat behind the drums yeah I'm not dropping I, I mean I'm not like fucking Mike Portnoy I'm just saying you know I think in my head it's always like oh that should go left to right because sugar digger 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 yeah and when it goes right to left my brain goes wrong but that's that's pretty interesting I guess it's it's closer to what you're actually going to hear like if you went to see them it makes more sense exactly yeah it, yeah, it makes more sense because it's like a live yeah. show it's like you're stood in front of the band listening to them play to you yeah. but. My brain just does the opposite because I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, so sorry about no, that. That's fine. Uh, before we move on from the song <laughs> Island slash Iceland, uh, yes. oh, I have a fact about that song, which I think you probably know already, but it's my favourite fact. It's probably my fact of the episode. And Oh, here and we I, go. This can be a segment. <laughs> I really uh, hope that I'm telling you this for the first time because I know how much it will mean to you. <laughs> but did you know that it, it features in a Pixar film, that song? I... See, I I did know this, but I'd forgotten it. It's in Monsters University, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the but that is my favourite joke in that yeah. film. Yeah, when his mum's like, "I'll be here listening to my yeah. tunes," and then he goes, "Dylan, Dylan, Dylan." Yeah. Oh, that's 
that's such a good joke. Yeah, oh, is that Island? Is it? Yeah. I'd forgotten. Like I, I did read that, but I read it last week, so I'd completely forgotten yeah, about it. Yeah, that's that's in Monsters University, oh. and then also Blood and Thunder is in the film The Big Short quite a lot. Oh yes, it is because my Christian, Christian Bale's Paris character. Is, like, he's a drama, to... and he's like a very angry man, and he's just like yes. there's scenes where he's just got that, and you can hear that like the titty version of it from his headphones whilst he's like talking to people in meetings. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty funny. Oh, Christian. Yeah. That is pretty good. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 probably my favourite fact. The fact that there's a Mastodon cr- Pixar crossover. That is a great fact. You're right. So we, we've, I know we said we don't need to do like song by song, but we've sort of skipped out IMA Hab and Sea Beast a little bit. I don't know if you want to go back and talk about them. Yeah, sure. I mean, I've just written. So one of the things I noticed, because uh, Blood and Thunder does not have it, but IMA Hab and Sea Beast have it. And it's a thing that. I, I'm going to sound like an absolute moron trying to describe, but... Good. Um, <laughs> damn it, I'm making you look so good in this episode. <laughs> Moaning about panning. <laughs> no, it's that the IMA Hub is the first uh, song, and I think, again, I'm, I, I always worry about saying musical things, but it's in like a 12-8 feel, if that makes any sense to, to you at all or to anybody at mm. home. It's in, and in my head, and I did look this up just to see if I'm an absolute moron, but in my head, it always makes me think of the sea, that time signature, or of pirates more specifically. Okay. And I Googled, why do I think this is piratey? Yeah. Um, and, and there was a few people on Reddit and things saying like, oh, I feel like, not saying I feel the same as me, but just saying, oh, does anybody else think that 12-8? And it's that rhythm that's like, dun 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 Like Pirates of the Caribbean, dun 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 like that. Yeah. And I Am Ahab and Sea Beast and a bunch of other tracks on this album have that feel. And I don't know if it's conscious that it sounds like the sea or if it's just me thinking it sounds like the sea. That's... But in my head, it sounds like the sea. That's really interesting. I feel like they probably, that's probably on purpose, I, w- I would say. I mean, even if it's not on purpose because it sounds like the sea, it's on purpose because it, it unifies the album. Yes. You know, yeah. So that makes yeah. sense. But yeah, as soon as I Am Ahab started, I was like, oh, I'm on the high seas. And then Sea Beast has the same thing. Mm. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I've written down about them. It's just that it makes me feel like I'm on the sea, which is quite apt yeah. for an album about the sea. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I um, I think I Am Ahab's pretty interesting and like the, that opening verse is so just like one syllable, like even when words are three syllables, they're just spread over one syllable. It, it sounds so like, a lot of the vocals in this album sound genuinely scary. Yes. And like demonic. And um, in a good way, obviously. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that opening verse just sounds terrifying. I don't... There's some stuff in I Am Ahab that's like referencing Mars and sort of... Not the cosmos, but like... It says something about like the red planet after 60,000 60, years or, or something like that. Do you want to just read them out? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. It says, uh, 13 years to this day, red planet aligned into sight 60,000 years of light. Yeah, what... what? What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> I wish I knew, Richard. Come on, Kyle. I mean, but then the next line, the next line I absolutely love. The next line is fascination with a mountain put to sea, which is such a good way to describe Moby Dick. A mountain put to sea. Yeah. Wow. Built to slay and conquer all with teeth of beasts. Like those lines are great, but you're right. I have no idea why the two lines before are suddenly about Mars. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to check. So where do you want to go now we've we've sort of jumped around a bit we have we've not really talked about iron tusk other than mentioning it as a single but yeah. uh it's got one of the best drum intros just ever and then that verse riff and again in the six eight so good and that's like again that's just such got such a groove to it 
It does. Like it's so catchy. But I in, I wonder what you think about this, right? So it's got it opens with that. It opens with the drums and then that groove uh riff. Yeah. And then it's got the verse which is a different riff and I really feel every time I listen to it I feel like that verse riff and the lyrics I just feel like that riff and those vocals sound so much like Slipknot. Do you know what I mean? No, no, yeah, actually, you're right. Yeah, that does sound like Slipknot. And like, it sounds like Corey. Yeah. Like sort of Iowa sort of era or maybe like volume three era. Um, yeah, I, just, I don't know why, what it is about it, but it just really reminds me of Slipknot. I just wondered if, if you sort of noticed the same. No, I didn't. But I mean, now, now that you've pointed it out, yeah. Like, again, I think I was listening to the album as like a whole piece. And there were a few moments that jumped out as um, sounding like there's one I'll mention later that sounds exactly like something else. Um, again, I don't know how much music talk I should be doing, but the whole album is tuned down a step. So it's in D, G, C, F, A, D. Right. And then there's there's a couple of tracks where the, the D, the low the low E string on a guitar, mm. is tuned down to A. <laughs> so they're in A, G, C, F, A, D. Wow. Okay. And this is one of them. Wow. Yeah. So that's probably why. Because Slipknot play in B, I think. Yes. So that's probably, that probably helps the fact that they're that low. Gotcha. Sounding pretty Slipknotty. But also there's a bit in the middle of this. You were talking about atonal notes in the middle. Yeah. One, I think it's the chorus in this. There's just these horrible, horrible notes. Yeah. And you like it, and it works. And there's that riff, like later on, that's like, yeah. Like it sort of sounds like it's interrupting itself, and yeah, it, it doesn't. It's not nice in a sort of mm-hmm. like common sense sort of music way, but it's. I think it's brilliant. I I love this song. I love this song so much. I agree. I absolutely love that song. Um, and did you know that um, there there's a line in the second verse where he says Ficetta catadon that's that's one of the lines he just says Ficetta catadon and that's the latin for sperm whale i looked that up because i i when i read it i was like i'm sorry where where is what the hell is that hmm. but yeah you're right i looked that up and yeah that is i mean like just what yeah <laughs> what like that's so cool yeah just quickly throwing throwing the latin name for a sperm whale Why but, not? but sort of in the same way that they just chuck riffs around it's He's not really saying anything with it. He's just chucking that term into the verse. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, just ad hoc. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Also, can we, because I know Iron Tusk was a single mm. and I don't know if I, if this was true, but I read a thing about how when the album was first put to relapse, they didn't want Blood and Thunder to be the lead single. Right. Because it was not as, because it was a bit less kind of heavy and mastodony as Remission. So they were worried that fans wouldn't like it. Right. And I think they went with, with Sea Beast or IMA Hab as instead. But I don't know. I just find that weird because I know Iron Tusk was a single. But yeah, like I, I'm just saying, like I find it weird that Blood and Thunder wasn't, it's so obviously the lead single of anything. Yeah. I mean, it's that opening line we've already said, like that's so heavy in, in so many different ways. I know. Like, yeah, I feel like if you'd listened to Remission and then you listened to that and didn't like it, what are you doing? You're an idiot. You're a bloody idiot. You heard it here first. <laughs> You're an idiot. We're calling people out. Yeah, we are. Okay, I don't know where we're at. We've done. We've sort of jumped into Megalodon because of the strange country lick in the middle. Yes. I was just going to say there's something in Megalodon that I looked up because I didn't understand it at all because it's about like the Kraken and things. And so I was just looking into it. Apparently there's a bit in Ahab where they talk about giant squids and how they would like fight sperm whales and things and maybe it's about the myths and that sort of thing. Yeah. But then right at the bottom, there's a, there's a reference to the Fiji mermaid. There certainly is. Yes. A lot of it sounds like it's about sirens and that's, you know, like sort of thing. Yeah. And then, yeah, at the bottom, and I was like, what the hell is a Fiji mermaid? And I Googled it and I sort of wish I hadn't because yeah. it's absolutely disgusting. Yep, that's in my mind now. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. Well, you can tell everyone what it is, Richard. Uh, so I couldn't quite work out whether it was like, 
completely made up or whether sub, whether this had actually happened, but it sounds like a Frankenstein sort of creature that's been created that's the head head and torso of a monkey yes um sewn onto the back end of a fish yes and apparently it was taken around shows and yeah, traveling like, circuses I, and I, things. I read that like pt barnum had it had it in his um in his circus and but then also there's another thing about it being just this mythological creature and i don't know if they were saying oh look what we found or if they were saying look what we've done to this poor, yeah. poor monkey <laughs> yeah yeah hey come and look what we can do with needle and thread yeah i've but stitched yeah, I, this I, monkey to this fish. i really wish i hadn't seen those pictures <laughs> me too yeah me too because it ruined my day do not google image search a or or any search engine uh do not search for a fiji monkey uh, fiji mermaid if you if you've not done it yeah if you've not done it already don't do it don't do it just don't do it. it's not very nice um let's jump to i mean you've got naked burn which is i've just got a uh just got a quote quote from troy about megalodon he said all four of us are fascinated with the magnificence of mammoths and enormous creatures both myth and fact we go to museums just to look at full skeletons of mammoths and mastodons the magnificence (laughs) is amazing and the same thing with the whale and these are animals of truth that existed and still do Uh, tying that magnificence of reality in with the awe associated with myth and legend speaks to all of us we were destined to have a song called megalodon we visited the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in St. Augustine, <laughs> Florida, where they have a megalodon jaw. I stood in the jaw. <laughs> I'm six foot four and the jaw still wasn't touching my head. Just seeing that mouth right there and then we voted on having a song called Megalodon. Amazing. Which is a great story. It is a great story. I can picture Troy now just stood in the mouth and being all excited because he's not touching the top. Um, okay, so we've sort of talked about Naked Burn, but um, I, th- I think it's... It feels a bit like a ballady sort of. It's quite sad sounding. It does, yeah. And there's lots of different, um, like it changes kind of feel all over the place. You know, there's like lots of different sections. Mm. Yeah, it never. It's not like it's one of those things we were talking about where they kind of jump between moods and and you know like times and things. But like, it somehow works. It's somehow cohesive. You yeah. kind of wouldn't get away with it normally. I don't think. Yeah, but yeah they do, and it's yeah, it's cool. But like yeah. I say, it's a nice break, I think, after after six, you know, pretty balls-to-the-wall songs, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. It's quite nice to have a song that's uh, a bit slower with a chorus. Hey, a chorus. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, and that, that's a super catchy... Super catchy. <laughs> it's a super catchy chorus. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a good album track. It's a solid track. Um, mm-hmm. And then goes into Aqua Dementia, which is like proper that opening riff is like quintessential mastodon it is that's one of the things i love about them that no one we've been talking about the kind of sound like you said like the atonal they do a lot of like open strings like ringing out and that kind of thing kind of like droning and a lot of their riffs have i feel like a lot of metal bands and rock bands and it's not a problem obviously but a lot of their riffs are like the bottom three strings dun 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 and mastodon's riffs are just like ding ding like yeah. you know like they go everywhere and do anything and they don't care absolutely and that this the start of this is is one of you know that that kind of feel just comes right through yeah it really does and i think i think again it's, it's a great riff i mean obviously we're saying that just on repeat basically this whole album is just full of great riffs oh yeah absolutely it's you know obviously that goes out saying really it does and that's another song that sort of you know it starts off with that and then it goes into that slow 
sort of break down it's a bit of then it's like a cleaner slower bit and then it goes into like a sludgy sort of like chug 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 yeah you know it, it goes through a lot of different things this song yeah the uh, can i just say quickly more drums the, the drum fills in that after the intro it go they do like a fat riff and brand's just like going for it non-stop and then it jumps into the verses it's madness Every time I listen to it, I, can't, I don't know how he's doing it. It's great stuff. It is. He's just, he's, he's a madman. He really is. He really is. Um, so obviously this song, I think definitively is definitely about Pip going overboard and descending into madness in the sea. But I also lo- saw a lot of people talking about the lyrics referring to how man is killing the planet Earth. Yeah. So I, um, I didn't know. So again, we'll, I'll reference an article here and I'm wondering if it's uh, one that you've seen. Mm. Uh, it's on litreactor.com and it's called White Whale, Holy Grail, Moby Dick and Mastodon's Leviathan. It's by Joshua Chaplinsky. Right. And, uh, and, he, and he just goes through the tracks that kind of relate to Moby Dick and how, how they relate to them. And you're right. He says, apparently, so Pip, there's a, there's a passage in Moby Dick that I will not read because it's enormous. It's about when, when they, um, they find Pip in the water and he... It says here, I'll read this, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to read from Moby Dick, I guess it's uh, public domain at this point. Yeah, I think you can you can quote it, we're quoting Herman Melville's Moby Dick, yeah, that's fine. So the, the sentence, the, so this is, they've just found him in the water, and it says, The sea had jeeringly kept his finite body up, but drowned the infinite of his soul. Not drowned entirely, though, rather carried down alive to wondrous depths where strange shapes of the unwarped primal world glided to and fro before his passive eyes. And it just goes on to talk about how he like is seeing all these things, you know, from like, like from almost dying and from going a bit mad. And then this guy is saying that maybe what he's seeing is what they're talking about in this song, this like this future of Earth where we're going to ruin the world, basically. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, no, I didn't see that article. Oh, it's a good, uh, I'll, yeah, we'll link it in the uh, description. It's a good, it's cool. It's just about like four or five tracks that really relate to Moby Dick. And he's just, you know, quotes from the book and then how they kind of come back. I, I actually haven't quoted. So I, I mentioned just before we started recording um, that I found like a, like an academic essay about the album. Yes. But I will link it in, in the description. Um, so it's, it's an essay called Heavy Melville. Uh, Mastodon's Leviathan and the Popular Image of Moby Dick. Um, that is a great title by Craig Bernardini, um, and it was uh, it's published in 2009 by jo- John Hopkins University Press, um, oh. and it's it's a long it's in a journal um, like a literary literary journal. It's about 20 pages. Um, it's pretty interesting. It sort of just looks at. It doesn't look specifically into like songs necessarily in the album, but it, it talks about the concept of them trying to adapt Moby Dick basically and, and how that plays within the genre of metal and how yeah. them as a band sort of works with that substance and, and things like that. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. Shall we get on to, I mean, I feel like we could do a whole episode on Hearts Alive, but yes. shall we try and get into it? Yeah, I guess so. It's 13 minutes long. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, do you like this song? So the first couple of times I listened to it, I I didn't mind it, but it, I was happy for it to finish. And then as the week has gone on, I've come around to it. I still think the the last sort of two minutes maybe goes on a bit too long for my taste. Is that one riff that just repeats for the last like two minutes? Yeah. Uh, Brent does a guitar solo, and then it's just this riff yeah. for like two minutes straight. 
And yeah. I do feel like maybe that could have been snipped. But as a whole, I definitely came around to being mm. a big fan of it by the end of the week. Yeah, my first couple of listens, I I felt pretty similar. That um, I felt there was certain bits that just felt like they were just repeating and it was just yeah. lengthy, not really for a reason. And then the more I listened to it, the more I sort of got the sections of it and sort of got the weight of the whole yeah. thing and and do really enjoy it. I, I'm going to say now... I do think that solo is the weakest part of the whole album. I agree. And it's weird because Brent, uh, having listened to later Mastodon albums, he's he, he rips some great solos. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not saying he doesn't. I just, yeah, I feel like it's completely like uncharacteristic for them. It doesn't do anything for me. I don't think it's a great solo and I don't think they need solos. Like they're just made of, they do so many riffs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they need anything from a solo. I don't think it it's, it's, and it's interesting. Like it's, it's basically the only like proper solo on the album. And obviously they're clearly yeah. incredible musicians, but I just don't think it works in that song. Uh huh. Yeah. It's weird that it comes that it's like 11 minutes in or something. Yeah. And and then it, then it just sort of comes and goes in 30 seconds and then back to the riff. And, and yeah, 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 like riff, it doesn't, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't do much, but yeah, you're right in terms of the, the structure, I, I genuinely wrote down the structure and it's very strange, but like you say, it took me about six listens and I was like, oh no, there is a structure to this. Mm. It's not just a weird meandering 13 minute song. Yeah. And I, I do generally really enjoy like instrumental metal and like, you know, progressive songs like that. I mean, you know, if we're talking about Metallica, I love things like Orion and songs like yeah. that and Cthulhu. Um, and there's actually... I feel like there's a reference to Cthulhu in this song. I've been waiting to say this. We, I talked about uh, this earlier. The the riff at the start is the call of Cthulhu riff. There's no yeah, getting around yeah, it. Yeah, that bass is definitely from Cthulhu, right? Dun 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 dun. It's just call yeah. of Cthulhu. Like yeah. it's literally they're, dun, they're dun, tuned dun, down dun, a step. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's it's call of Cthulhu. Yeah, like there's there's no getting around it. So I don't know if it's on yeah. purpose, but. I mean, they they must be influenced by Metallica. I mean, how can you not be if you yeah. play metal music? You know. Yeah. So yeah, I I think that's pretty interesting, um, and yeah, I I love the progressive, feet, like nature of it. I I think sometimes it does uh, repeat stuff for maybe a bit too long, but yeah. it also feels like it sort of earned it by the by the previous eight songs. You know, apart from this song, the longest song on the album is four minutes twenty two. Yes. And they get through so much in such short songs that I yeah. feel like having one that's 13 and a half, I'm fine with that. Yeah, me too. And like you say, and it's about a bloody, like a 700 page novel. And exactly. this is like the summation of Ahab, like chasing down the whale and then, yeah. you know, the the fight in the whirlpool and then the whole ship gets taken down into the sea. Yeah. You know, and like you, it kind of comes across. I know it takes 13 minutes, but Yeah, it's it's the biggest part biggest part of the novel, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's where the whole crux of the of the novel the, like lies is Ahab finally taking on, you know, Moby Dick. Mm. Can I just quickly say I read a thing earlier that Moby Dick Did you know Moby Dick is based on a real whale? He, so yeah, I sort of knew that. I mean, I'm guessing obviously like accounts have probably, you know, been slightly skewed in terms of like how yeah. big he is and how like terrifying it is but yeah I, I guess that it was probably based on true accounts of like whaling stories yeah i didn't so i didn't I, yeah i can't imagine it's like the size of you know that it is in the book and that it eats yeah. ships or whatever but but yeah. apparently there was a book in the 1800s um called mocha dick which was like a guy's account of being a whaler and it was a real white male sperm whale that All lived right. in the pacific and like 
took out some small ships and and apparently survived the the article i read said it survived if it's true a hundred encounters with different whaling vessels jesus before before it was finally killed and like i think that's obviously it's not exactly the same as the book but it just baffles me that yeah like there's kind of a real moby dick story out there like that's uh, yeah. yeah anyway sorry back to mastodon <laughs> um i also quite like that um aqua dementia ends with like sound effects which is yes. the only other time on the al- it's the only time on the album um and then that sort of just flows really nicely into the cleaning intro yeah. in hearts alive it really does i'm surprised they kind of didn't um have more of that kind of sea effect i know there's not much breathing room for it to be honest between the other eight yeah. tracks but yeah. I, i've written i can't remember specifically but one of my notes is the screams at the end of aqua dementia are amazing I can't remember them right now. They really are, yeah. I think if I remember, I just remember the last few lines, he's just absolutely ripping his lungs out. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the vocals in Aqua Dementia sound very, like, screechy screaming. Like, it's... Yeah. I mean, actually, that's one of the songs there is another vocalist on. Um, so they've got guest vocals with uh, from Scott Kelly from Neurosis. Yeah, he's on... That's him on Aqua Dementia, yeah. Yeah, and he's also on Crystal Skull on Blood Mountain. Oh, is he? Yeah. I think from what I've read, they he's sort of like a, a recurring character in Mastodon's albums as a guest vocalist. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That is great. But I do not know Neuroses at all. No, I don't, I don't know Neuroses at all. I don't know what they're like. No. Um, maybe we can add them to the list. I mean, yeah, I guess maybe we should. And then Neil Fallon, uh, the singer of Clutch, does yeah. the bridge on uh, on Blood and Thunder. Yes, again, I don't know Clutch very well. No, I'm I'm very vaguely aware of Clutch. I know they're yeah. meant to be very good, but I've never never listened to them properly. Can I just say quickly, uh, out of nowhere, I don't know why what you just said brought it up, but I read a thing about how this this album is there is Mastodon's Water album. Mm. Like obviously, obviously, but <laughs> tell me more, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> so Moby Dick is a whale. Um, <laughs> apparently, remission is fire. Mm-hmm. Um, Blood Blood Mountain is Earth, and then Crack the Sky is Ether or Quintessence, apparently. Right. Um, yeah, which is like the four four elements, and they did them in a row. And this is their water album. I don't know why I was just something you said made me just suddenly think about that. But so they're going one step above concept album, and they're going, we've got a concept career. Yeah, basically, yeah. So underneath the Moby Dick, there's actually a higher yeah. concept yeah. level. Classic Mastodon. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's probably because we were talking about the sea effects and I was thinking, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the sea is water. Yeah, it is. You, you can learn something on this podcast. That's that's my favourite fact of the podcast. <laughs> the sea is the, water. The, the sea is water. <laughs> Write that down, everyone. Um, yeah, if you take one thing away from this podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, so then we get on to the final song on the album, yes. Joseph Merrick. And I, I know that I texted you saying I didn't know who Joseph Merrick was. And I was going to really, 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 really try and f- not find out. There's no way you avoided it, right? I didn't avoid it. And then, it, then yeah, and then I remembered that, I, oh, I do I do know who it is. Yes. So I knew, uh, yeah, Joseph Merrick is, is the elephant man. He's called, I've never seen the David Lynch film, but I think a lot of people call him John Merrick. Apparently he was confused. Right. Lots, lots of people call him John, but his actual name was Joseph. So I don't know why people call him John Merrick. That's not his name. Oh. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really know why. Well, I do know that it's apparently a Mastodon thing. Um, mm. The Remission has a song called Elephant Man. The last track on Remission is Elephant Man. Huh. The last track on Leviathan is Joseph Merrick. And the last track on um, Blood Mountain is called Pendulous Skin. And all yeah. three of those are, appa- are, about, are about the Elephant Man, apparently. 
Ah, oh, how interesting. Yeah, uh, they didn't continue it. It doesn't continue on Crack the Sky or any of their other albums. And I don't know why. I couldn't find anything as to why they were doing that, why they were so interested that they finished their first three records with a song about the Elephant Man. Hmm. But but yeah, it is quite strange, Like at least for me, because I knew that he was the Elephant Man, to be like, yeah. why is this Moby Dick album ending yeah. with the Elephant Man? And I, I do find that strange. Like there's that song earlier on that, is about the Catholic Church, and yes, there's some religious stuff in the book, but it's not really about that. There's one about Norse mythology, and then you've got this one about the Elephant Man. Yeah. Yes, it's generally a concept album, but then every few songs they sort of sway from that, and I don't yeah. really understand why. But but I guess then there's that overall thing that they're going through their albums where they're sort of referencing the Elephant Man every so often, which makes more sense now yeah you could consider their first albums like this album could technically be nine songs long and then there's the the classic elephant man song Mm. yeah my first thought was that maybe joseph merrick was around uh, like at the same time as moby dick but he wasn't he wasn't born until 1862 right so so it's not yeah so obviously this was before i learned that it's just a mastodon thing to write a song about the elephant man was he the original vocalist of Mastodon, maybe? Is of that, course, is that's that... probably it. Give me a sec. I'll just look on his Wikipedia page. Let's see what comes <laughs> up. Ah, uh, there he is. Yeah. Yeah. So good. That's, what a guy. That's why, yeah. Um, I think this is a really interesting song. It's it's not it's not very Mastodon-y. It is, but it's not. Yeah. But uh, it's a lovely way to end, like, end the album. That's the thing. I, couldn't, I still haven't made my mind up. I love it as a piece of music. And like you say, it's like that soft Mastodon, again, the weird kind of ringy note thing mm. that they do. But I also really love the way um, uh, Hearts Alive ends with just a big riff and then that big ringing chord. Yeah. And I'm, I, I always kind of will the album to end there. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. But I don't mind. As a piece of music, it's nice. But I just, I don't know. I think when, when I've just had like nine Moby Dick songs. Yes. I'm like, I, I kind of like, whoo, I'll, I'll leave that there. What it makes, what it makes me think, and, it, and this, if you think this way, then it really, really ends the album well, is that you've just had this 15 minute battle with the whale and, oh. you know, everything's gone badly. And then the instrumental side of, joseph merrick it feels to me like when i listen to it it feels like you're sort of trudging back to america like okay empty-handed and you're like was any of that worth it yeah it's got that so i think that's because i don't know how the book ends but i'm guessing it doesn't end with the battle he gets picked up by one of the other whaling ships apparently Mm. so he's the only person that survives the rest of the crew go down with moby dick and ahab into the whirlpool and then yeah he uh so it makes you he feel survives. like he, he's got a, he's then got a sail halfway around the world as the only yeah. survivor, having just witnessed all of that. And it sort of feels like that's what that song is doing to me. Yeah, that's that's quite cool actually. I've never thought about that. I'll, uh, next time I listen, I will I will bear that in mind. That's yeah. a, that's a cool way of looking at it. Give it a go. Yeah, maybe it's just because it's called Joseph Merrick. If it was called Ishmael, maybe yes. I would be like, oh, it's a great way to end the album. But because yeah. it's called Joseph Merrick, I'm like, what? Okay, so that's that's this the ten songs of. The album Leviathan by Mastodon. I think it's safe to say that we both enjoyed the album. Absolutely. Um, do you want to explain what we're hopefully going to be doing with the podcast? You know, like every week. Yeah. In case, in case anyone hasn't listened to the, you know, the intro episode. Yes. So generally, we're going to say uh, whether an album goes in our fictional hall of fame or our fictional hall of lame, based on whether we like it or don't like it. Um, this absolutely means nothing. It just, yeah, it literally <laughs> means do we like it or not. Uh, for me, 
this album goes in the Hall of Fame. I agree. My yeah. it goes into my Hall of Fame as well. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, and then what we're trying to do, sort of alongside the podcast, uh, for I guess ourselves and for people listening along, um, we're going to be creating a podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> Success. We did it. <laughs> We've done it, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, finally. Ooh, we um, can quit the podcast. We created a podcast. <laughs> We're going to be creating a playlist um, over on Spotify um, based on the albums that we listen to each week. So how it's going to work is we're each going to pick three songs that we think uh, are our favourites or you know represent the album the most, I guess. Uh, and if we agree on any of them, then they go straight in the playlist. If we don't agree on any, then we both pick our favourite ones and they go on the playlist. So yeah. generally each week there's going to be somewhere between one and three songs going into a spotify playlist which you know in weeks to come will be a nice amalgamation of everything we've talked about and and hopefully will be a fucking awesome playlist yeah fingers crossed and that'll just be we're just going to call it chew the metal a beginner's guide to heavy music so yeah so you can you can follow that playlist yeah and uh, and just sort of see it grow i guess and yeah if there's anything albums wise or, or songs wise that you want to hear on there or hear us talk about i guess just uh just let us know absolutely so yeah so let's let's talk about our picks do you want to say your three picks yeah so i mean i ha- i mean blood and thunder because it's blood and thunder and i like i i can't think of anything better uh and then for me it's got to be iron tusk and megalodon the double whammy right in the middle of the album those three just all day every day to be honest okay cool um what about you so, well, originally I had a short list of six, which <laughs> from, from an album of 10 isn't very good. Nope. Um, not very uh, critical of me, um, but I eventually whistled it down by sort of getting rid of songs because they weren't particularly concepty. So I've gone for Blood and Thunder because, yes. as you say, it's just an incredible opening track and it's, it's just so Mastodon. Um, mm-hmm. Then I've gone for Iron Tusk. Oh, yeah. it's just working out well. It's so heavy and so catchy, uh, yeah. and, I, and I just love it. And for the third one, I haven't gone for Megalodon. Oh, um, boo. I went for Aqua Dementia. Oh, yeah. Because that opening riff and then just how chuggy and heavy it gets and like yeah. the, the sort of you know bits that it goes through, I, I just think it is so great. Um, mm-hmm. So we agree on Blood and Thunder and Iron Tusk, which is a pretty good result. That's not bad for a first episode, is it? Yeah. So those two will definitely be in the podcast. In the oh, God damn it, I'm doing it. Oh, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> damn it, no. Right, that's me. You'll never hear from me again. I'm very sorry. Goodbye. Next next week, I'm going to have a different co-host that can say the word playlist. Yeah, that knows what a podcast and a, and a playlist are. Um, yeah, cool. Okay, so those two will go straight in the playlist. And then, uh, I mean, I guess Aqua Dementia and Megalodon won't, but... Yeah, I guess not. But they'll they'll stay on the album. Don't worry. They will. <laughs> no. Yeah. They're not, we're not deleting them from, from history. history. Yeah. yeah. So the way we're going to decide what we're talking about in the, the future episodes is we've made a huge uh, spreadsheet of all the albums that we want to chat about at some point. Yeah. An ever-growing spreadsheet. Yeah. Exactly. We're, we're always going to be adding to it. Um, and we're going to use that list alongside a random number generator to find out what next episode is going to be. Uh, so I've got the spreadsheet here. I've got a random number generator. I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm going to press the word generate, Kyle. I'm going to do it. Master, Masteron, Blood Mountain. <laughs> okay. We, oh, oh, mate, oh. mate, it could be Masteron. 
We got number 22. Fuck. <laughs> it's Leviathan. What the fuck? Oh, God. It had over 100 numbers it could have picked, and it's picked the album we've just talked about. Are you serious? That's unbelievable. That's, that's genuinely just happened. Uh, okay, I'm going to press the button again because I don't want to talk about Leviathan again next week. <laughs> I do love it, but be a waste of time. Okay, it's gone for number 30, um, which is Architects, uh, All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us. Okay. Uh, from 2017, I think, or 2018, maybe. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, great. I'm completely unfamiliar with Architects. I'm pretty sure you... Did you shoot a music video for Architects? I've shot four music videos for Architects. Okay, well, there you go. So, yeah, so next next week's episode, we'll be talking about All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us by Architects. And I think that's the show. That's good, yeah. Do you, do you want to tell people where they can get hold of us? Uh, yeah, so if there's an album you want us to talk about or if you want to agree or disagree with our verdict of Leviathan, please get in touch at chewthemetal at gmail.com. Uh, that's all one word, chew the metal at gmail.com. We've also got social, uh, we've got Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's all at chew the metal. And uh, obviously, you can subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, give us a lovely review. <laughs> uh, is there anywhere else, any other way people can get in touch? I don't think so. Emails, social, that's pretty much it, right? I'll, I'll, give, I'll give out Richard's personal phone number. So just, uh, <laughs> just send yeah. me an email. I, I got you covered. <laughs> yeah, um, perfect. I think that's it. That is. We've not really got to sign off because this is episode one. Yeah. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to us waffle about Moby Dick for nearly two hours. <laughs> I guess I guess we're going to have to cut that down slightly. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, bye guys. See you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Okay, so... Okay. We'll do a three, two, one, and clap. Yeah, and then obviously we don't have to start straight away, but we just know where to line no. them up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one, clap. No oh, shit. <laughs> that was. I didn't. That should I work. Didn't think that through, did I? <laughs> <laughs> I think we should. I think we'll clap where you said clap, and I clapped. Yeah. That's so a good we, place to clap. Yeah. So we go three, two, one, clap. Yeah. And then and then actually clap. Yeah. Yeah. So what? We're we gonna clap on clap, or we're we gonna. <laughs> This is going in the podcast, by the way. So we go three, two, one, like that, effectively, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But I like the idea of us both just saying clap instead of actually <laughs> clapping. Clap. It's perfect.